there's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Support for Armchair comes from Manscaped, who is number one in men's below-the-belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. I, I got something to admit. I'm not proud of it, but when I was younger, I... I hit puberty at a, a pretty decent age. I wouldn't say anything crazy, but I saw the hairs coming in down there, and I didn't really know what to do. I didn't want to use you know, a traditional razor, so I got scissors. <laughs> and I would grab the hair on my balls, and I would like, you know, roll them up a little bit, and I'd use the scissors to cut them at the bottom. I, I didn't know any other way to do it, and that led to a lot of problems. I, I cut my ball sack multiple times. Little chunks just came out, blood. It was gross. It was a disaster. I, I quickly stopped doing that, but I wish Manscaped would have been around when I was there. They, they sent us a, a pack of their products, and I got to say, the Lawnmower 2.0 has proprietary skin-safe technology, so the trimmer won't nick or snag your nuts. It's, it's a thing of beauty. And don't use the same trimmer on your face as you use in your balls. That's just nasty. You can obviously get a, a trimmer for your face anywhere else, but these Manscaped specifically for the family jewels, and, and that's not a lie. We, we've all used them. Chris, what do, you, what do you think about them? Yeah, I can definitely uh, 100% endorse this product. Um, used it on myself, not at any issues. And great sense. They got some ball deodorant and cologne that'll just, I mean, it'll just amaze you at how great these things smell. Yeah, so I've been putting deodorant on my balls for years now. I think it was always the way of the future, but they've they've cornered the market, so to speak, and they have ball deodorant that is, is next level, very comfortable, provides a good smell down there. You don't want any ladies to be to be surprised. But you know, the good part about me living in the country, I, I use my lawnmower two point outside. Wow. So I just go out. I don't have any neighbors, so I just let the, the hairs fly in the wind. It's it's a revelation. For the listener, we got a little special gift for you guys here. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code armchair at manscaped.com. Always use the right tools for the jobs. Your balls will thank you. Get 20% off. I just screwed up the ad a little bit. Here we go. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code armchair at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. Promo code armchair. Boys, it's Jeremy W. Miller. Neal the rebound. Kevin Alley brings it up. Throws it across. Miller for three. Oh, he backed it in. He backed it in. And the game is tied. We're going to overtime. Over the rebound for his ninth. 18 points, nine rebounds, six oh. assists. From oh, oh, oh the chicken. Double time. Miles Turner. Yeah. Welcome to the NBA, my friend. Turner sets the screen. Oh, Whoa, oh, oh no! Oh, oh, no. Right Don't let him throw it down like that. Victor on the deep floor. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Born Ready to Pod podcast. Welcome to episode 68 of the Born Ready to Pod podcast. My name is Chris Cook, and here with me, as always, my loyal 
co-worker, co-partner, whatever you call him, want to call him, Eric Hawk. Hawk, how are you on this fine evening in November? I'm doing really, really well. No complaints. All right. Um, so, first things first, on the list here today, same structured show as last week. Uh, as we had talked about Pacers, also some Colts talk, and then we're going to wrap up today's show with another edition of Around the Association. Um, first thing here today, like I said, we're going to start with some Pacers talk. Pacers recently defeating the Brooklyn Nets on Monday night. Uh, they beat them 115-86, to and they now sit at 8-6 and on the season. Jeremy Lamb, Malcolm Brogdon, TJ McConnell all were out for that game. Uh, they had both, or all three of them had each missed uh, the game prior as well against the Milwaukee Bucks. Um, I'll go over some notes here, Hawk, from the game uh, just one by one, and I'll have you share your thoughts on each of these. So the first note I wanted to share here was uh, the Holiday Brothers. Uh, so this was their second straight start together. They both had started in the game against Milwaukee and uh, then started in the game against the Nets. Uh, so set two straight starts, and they both showed out in Brooklyn. Aaron finished the game with 24 points. 13 assists and six rebounds. He shot four of seven from three. And then his brother, Justin, 20 points and four rebounds. He also made four threes as well. And nice little stat here. Their first pair of brothers on the same team to score 20 plus points in a game, which is pretty interesting. So what were your thoughts watching the holiday brothers last night against the Brooklyn Nets? Yeah. I mean, Aaron holiday just pretty much did whatever he wanted with that second unit. It was, I'd probably say his best game, and it's probably not even close. And you know he's going to get more time now, and he's going to be the backup to Brogdon when he comes back officially. I, I don't think McConnell's going to take those minutes from him, although McConnell can play, and you know Holiday can play off him at times as well. Maybe you have all three of those guys in. It'll be interesting to see. But you know his best game, 13 assists. It was what I was most shocked about. We all know he could kind of score. He can get his shots up. He just needed the reps, but. The 13 assists I was very impressed with. So, you know, that chemistry with his brother, first brother pairing to have 20 points, it's it's impressive. I mean, I mean, how many other chances have we had for it to ever happen? Probably not that many. But I was most impressed by the way he distributed the ball, really. And shout out to Naz Meacher Long, who also had a good game and benefited from some of those assists as well. Yeah, and we'll get more into him he, uh, on Naz here in just a second. Uh, next up, the big men in the game. Domantas Sabonis was uh, the clear-cut uh, best big man in the game last night. Uh, he had a career high in rebounds, so he had 16 points and 18 rebounds against the Nets. I believe he had 14 or 15 rebounds in the first half, and then second half, uh, he didn't really get as many. I think he only had two or three, So, but still, he finished the game with 18 rebounds, which is his career high, which is very impressive. Also, a nice stat here for Sabonis, eight straight double-doubles. And he has 12 double-doubles this season. So there's only been two games this year where he hasn't gotten one. Um, and then Miles Turner returned to the starting lineup uh, Saturday against the Bucks. He was doubtful for that game, but he ended up playing. I'm just going to count that Bucks game as it doesn't exist um, because the Pacers had no shot in that game. But uh, in the last two games since he's been back, he's averaging 12.5 points per game. Eight and a half rebounds per game, and then also there with three and a half blocks per game, uh, and that's all in the last two games. So, what are your thoughts uh, on those two big men, Sabonis specifically, 
uh, just completely showing out this season. Yeah, I think I saw he was like leading or one of the top guys for FanDuel Daily Fantasy too, just because of all the rebounds and assists he racks up just on the side. So, Sabonis, I'm glad we paid him. He seems to be really healthy. And then, you know, Turner struggled coming back a little bit, but, you know, him and Sabonis, they won their first game together, and I think that's important. And, you know, it's going to take some time. This is the same thing that kind of happened to Turner last year, except for he didn't have quite the start. I think he had, what, a concussion or – shoulder or something yeah. he missed like 15 to 20 games to start the year last year and similar this year missed less obviously but those questions are still there if, if they can play together long term and they're not going to go anywhere i think we're probably going to go through most of the season asking these questions but you know definitely a positive and, and sabonis just keeps getting the rebounds better and better he had 15 and a half so only three in the second half but he didn't play near as many as minutes in the fourth quarters but defensively we looked great I mean, we held an NBA team to 18 and under points for three quarters, you know, and scored 41 ourselves in one of them. So that's that's definitely a winning formula. So it's exciting. I don't – we don't need to talk about trading, blah, blah, blah. It's it's just been beaten to the dirt at this point. It, it looked good against the Nets, and we'll see going forward. Absolutely. Um, but, yeah, those two uh, definitely getting – Tired of reading the articles and tweets, but Sabonis has been showing out. And then Turner also, uh, three and a half blocks. That's nothing nothing to scoff at. And then people giving him crap all the ways for the rebounds. And the last two games, he's averaging eight and a half. I believe for the season, he's over seven and a half. So uh, rebounding is, is I, I'm, not, I'm not concerned about that whatsoever. Um, and then so uh, next point here on the game. Naz Mitru Long, a lot of a name that uh, Hawk had mentioned earlier, a name that some of you probably never heard of until uh, the Nets game on Monday. Um, Mitru Long came off the bench, so here's the story on Mitru Long, and you can go read my latest article on Born Ready to blog uh, regarding Naz and his, uh, you know, uh, kind of the first early part of his career, and then also uh, how he was called up in the last few days. But anyway, here's the story. So Friday night, Pacers finish the game in Houston, and uh, T.J. McConnell goes onto the plane, and he can't really stand up or anything like that. He, I believe, the issue with him is injury to his groin. Um, and then, Mitch, and so uh, the Pacers are concerned already because Brogdon left the game early uh, with a sore back, and they don't have a backup point guard. Uh, so Mitru Long had played for the Mad Ants Friday night, um, and he got a call at 12:30 a.m. Uh, Saturday morning, and they told him that he needed to get on a plane to Indy and come play in the Bucks game. So he got, I think, two hours of sleep before that Bucks game. And like I said, we're not counting the Bucks game. It doesn't matter. Uh, but both McConnell and Brogdon out last night. Um, and he continued as the Pacers' backup point guard. Uh, he was really kind of the spark plug for the Pacers off the bench that game. Uh, the game was tied at 18 to 18 after the first quarter. And like Hawk had mentioned, they had scored 41 points in the uh, second quarter. Uh, Mitru Long was a nice spark plug off the bench. I'm not saying he's the next greatest thing, but he did his job. He's a G League player. He came in. He filled his role nicely. Um, and the Pacers really benefited from his minutes last night. He had 12 points in the game, which was a career high. And then he also finished with three rebounds and three assists. I would imagine he'll probably go back down to Fort Wayne because I, I would assume that Brogdon and McConnell will be ready for uh, the game on Saturday. But what did you think from watching Mitru Long in the last couple of games, specifically 
against the Nets because uh, he 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 did his job. Yeah, I uh, I didn't watch any of the Bucks game, but I, I know he got some run there. But just from the Nets game specifically, he looked a lot confident. You know, I looked at the box score of the game prior; didn't shoot that well. You know, Water kind of found its level. Brooklyn's not a great you know perimeter defensive team by any means, so he got his looks and he made them. He's plus twenty one on the night for you plus minus fans out there. So definitely impact was felt and just really impressive. A pros pro life of a G league guy. And, you know, he, I don't know if he'll, this will lead to a contract here or somewhere else, maybe not being a G league guy going forward, but he's still relatively young. I think he's 25, 26. So you never know. And, you know, when guys do this kind of thing, come from the G league and play the next day, yada, 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 and have good games. People take notice, you know, it's definitely as fans, we take notice. So big, Naz, big Naz meets your long fan right now. And I, I thought we were going to need scoring. You know, he came in and gave us a punch. I think he had a seven zero run by himself. So, love Naz, and I, I love Mitre Long. Yeah, and uh, those players, they get 45 days where they can play or be called up to the NBA. Um, so, I wouldn't imagine they'll convert that contract, but uh, just because the depth they have. But <clears throat> he definitely filled his role last night and uh, helped get the Pacers their eighth win of the season. Which, if you look back, uh, last season the Pacers with Oladipo started off the year eight and six. So, exact same start uh, to the season this year as they had last year. Um, and you uh, got ahead of me there for a second. My next question for you, I was going to ask you. Can you name the Pacers' top three players and plus-minus from the Nets game? I think you have the box score in front of you, so don't try to look at that. Maybe you've already looked at it. Uh, so the top three players and plus-minus from that game against the Nets. I'm not going to look at it, but I know it's got to be for that 41-point second quarter. That's probably where the majority of it came from. So I'm going to guess the second second-tier guy is leading it. So... I'll just say Naz is one of them, just because he had that 7-0 run, big part of that second quarter. Yes. Um, I'll say Sabonis, just because, you know, the, the night he had. And then I'll say Aaron Holiday, just because of the night he had. I'm, I'm definitely missing somebody in the second unit. Yeah, so you're one for three. You had Naz right. He was plus 21. Um, the leader in plus minus last night, Doug McDermott, plus 35, um, which is ridiculous. Um, and then Goga Batadze plus 22 and then Mitru Long followed him at plus 21. What a garbage stat, but still Doug McDermott plus 35. I mean, that's incredible. I, I hardly ever. That is great. Yeah. Um, so yeah, interesting stat there from the game last night, but, uh, now the Pacers have four days off. Um, they're off Tuesday through Friday. They don't play again until Saturday against the Orlando Magic. Um, and then they play again on uh, Monday against the Grizzlies. So I believe they have the next four games at home. Um, their injury report currently has uh, Brogdon, Lamb, McConnell, as we mentioned earlier. And then you also have Sumner and Victor Oladipo, obviously, who've been injured for quite some time. Uh, and then Domantas Sabonis, he was questionable for the game yesterday. He was on the injury report. So how important are these next four days for the Pacers to get healthy? Kind of feels like it came at the best part of the season for them at this point. Yeah, I mean, obviously it's it's super healthy. But, you know, the Colts and the Pacers are kind of just taking on a life together of just injuries and, you know, cursed life and 
you maybe could throw a pretty football in there if, if, if you want to, if you're reaching, but it's just interesting to see. We got guys like Nazmi too long and on the Colts, you got guys like Johnson and Williams just step up and make plays. And I think well coached, well run franchises can find guys like that and can do spot starts like that, or guys come in in big clutch moments and, and actually perform because they have, you know, the confidence of their team and the coaches. So it just speaks to Nate, I guess, you know, and how, how well he seemed to have maneuvered through this year after the 0-3 star. I think I think he's coached pretty well, all things considered. So, yeah, definitely big just to stay healthy and get healthy. And hopefully Old Depot, we were talking the other day, when, when we think he'll come back, it's still December to mid-December. Somewhere in December is what we're hoping. But, you know, you never know if he just – you know, said he was starting this Saturday. Would that would that just send shock waves through Indiana? That would be incredible. But obviously, you don't want to rush him back. Yada yada yada. But we need to get healthy. McConnell can play. He didn't play. That was kind of a shock. We need Lamb scoring. You know, but I think it's in the long run it's going to help us because these guys that weren't projected this much play time, you know, are getting it. So in the long run, we're optimistic. But we we want to see our team fully healthy. We want to actually compete. So we'll see. Yeah, and it's going to be very interesting once this team is fully healthy. There'll be at least two or three guys who are worthy of playing time on this uh, roster that aren't going to get it just because how much depth they have. So uh, that's one good thing that we've seen from the Pacers this season, and I think it's, like you said, going to help them out for uh, those uh, games later in the season where they, you know, are playing battling for playoff position in the East. So, uh, last question, uh, not really Pacers related here, but it's in the Pacers topic. Uh, what were your thoughts on Scott's tweets from the past week? Do you have any of them in front of you? Because there's just so many, and you know, I just don't really. I kind of read them and laugh, but I never really take them in and, and process them necessarily. So, do you have any of them in front of you? Um, I, I know. Yeah, uh, he was hitting on some. Uh, some lady that was talking about NASCAR, some horny Scott came out. So that, that wasn't a shocker by any means. He's been all over the Indiana basketball, you know, hate they're not being ranked. So that was pretty predictable. Is there anything that stood out otherwise? Uh, one he- thing here from today, uh, Hooters charges you a damn dollar to put sauce on your wings. WTF. So he's not happy about Hooters. <laughs> no. And I also see him. He's complaining about OG and an OB being drafted over, you know, TJ Leaf and the game he had last night. So I can see that, you know, just Scott, he's just a character, man. I mean, I, I like to think maybe he, it's just Jim Ursay or, or somebody in, you know, higher up just made a fake account, Scott, or maybe it's Agnes. And that's why he tweeted it on the other day. It's Scott's alter ego. Scott Tack is Scott Agnes, just his alter ego. I think I just figured it all out, honestly. Or maybe it's the other way around. Maybe Scott Tack is or Scott Agnes is Scott Tack's alter ego. There's some there's some connection there. The Battle of the Scots is what we're all wanting and hoping for. Yeah, that was an epic tweet. Both the Scots going at each other. Um, one Scott, a very optimistic guy in Scott Agnes, and the most pessimistic guy uh, in the world is uh, Scott Tack uh, on Twitter. Just clashing, complete opposites, like I said. Um, Scott pessimistic Scott had responded to Scott Agnes and said uh, that the Pacers weren't going to make the playoffs anyway, um, even though probably before the season he projected them to win 55 games. Um, just, you know, just ridiculous tweets from Scott. And we've mentioned here on multiple episodes, he's a must follow. Uh, if you want 
to have joy in your life, if you're feeling depressed about anything uh, and you want to look at someone else and just be like, man, I feel really good about myself now after seeing what that guy's tweeting, go give him a follow. I mean, if you're, if you're down in the dumps, they say, you know, if you are depressed or anything, you, you know, consider taking medication. I mean, this is a healthy way to do it. Just reading what Scott's tweets are saying and, and just feeling a lot better that you don't feel that badly about uh, life as he does. And not really life, but just everything like sports, like you're just, you have an optimistic viewpoint on life uh, and games rather than being that pissed off about everything. So that's my two cents on that. He's an interesting guy. I mean, I'd like to get him on for a segment one day and just ask him just, you know, what's going through his mind. But I, I know it's pretty much nothing. It's just, he just, whatever comes to his mind, he tweets. He has no filter. That's why I respect Scott at the end of the day, but, I definitely don't take anything he says seriously, and I'm just looking at his profile picture right now, and the duck face and the IU gear, <laughs> man, it just cracks me up every time. Anytime there's a Scott tweet, it automatically goes into our group message. I, th- I think 85% of the stuff we share in our group message is just related to Scott, so he's definitely just he's great for content. I love him. Yeah, uh, and spe- I mean, if he wanted – so we've – uh, for those of you who are listening don't know, we are opening it up for a contributor on to our new website. Maybe we'll have multiple depending on uh, uh, the report or the uh, blogs we receive back and decide who we want. But if Scott wanted the job, I mean, I think we all can agree right now. If he if he messaged us and said, I want the job, I mean, he's hired right on the spot, right? <laughs> he's got a job. If he, he's not going to get paid shit, but he's got a job, and I'm going to read his articles front, back, I'm going to scramble the words and read it. I, I would love to just read what's going through that man's mind. <laughs> so, all right. Uh, that's enough about Scott there. Uh, but make sure you go follow him on Twitter. All right. Next thing here before we get into around the association, Indianapolis Colts, big win against the uh, Jacksonville Jaguars this past weekend. They won 33 to 13 at home. Colts were coming off two straight losses against the Steelers and uh, the, uh, Oh, man, what's their names? The Miami Dolphins. See, they're so bad, I can't even remember what their names are. Um, So big uh, win for the Colts. Uh, Jacoby Brissett comes back in the game, uh, and it really sparks things for the Colts uh, on both sides of the ball. Just really great to have him back out there. Um, What were your thoughts? Because I've seen people tweeting out that, you know, the Colts, pretty much any quarterback could step in and the team would still be competent. And we've seen some Brian Hoyer love. People were saying that, you know, questioning whether he should be the starter if he performed well. And then we all see how that worked out. So what were your thoughts from the game, Brian Hoyer lovers out there? Uh, your just general thoughts on that. I, there can't be that many Brian Hoyer lovers. I mean, we've seen them. But I don't understand how they exist. Their existence to me is erroneous. I mean, just look at that play that he made against Denver, rolling out of the pocket, through to T.Y. on the sideline, that tiptoe grab. Epic play. Only so many guys in the league can play it. And then there was a play against the Jaguars, you know, where he threw that touchdown to Marcus Johnson where he somehow escaped the pocket. That's a play only a few guys can make, too. Brian Hoyer has never made that play in his career. He'll never make that play in his career. Brian Hoyer, We've seen what Brian Hoyer is on the Browns, and if he has to play again, I'm going to be suicidal. Like, I cannot watch Brian Hoyer run this offense. And you know, I understand Brissett's not Andrew Luck in a way that he can be dynamic in the passing game, but at the same time, those receivers aren't there. Hoyer's got the same setup, but, you know, 
when Jacoby's in, he makes it look so much better and competent. So Brissett's the guy. Brissett's going to be the guy. Brissett's fine. Brissett's awesome to root for. So I have no problem with, you know, what Brissett's done and having any stock in Hoyer whatsoever. Just stop. You know, stick your fingers down my throat. Make me throw up. Like, that's just – that's not it. That never is going to be it. It's it's Brissett's team, and it, and it will be going forward. Yeah. Um, and speaking of injuries, Pacers have a lot of it, but the Colts are there as well. Um, they are expected to hopefully get back uh, T.Y. Hilton this week, who they just won their first game without uh, last weekend. Uh, but they are hopeful that he's going to play Thursday night. Uh, Pierre Desir as well, uh, cornerback. They're hoping to get him back. Um, and then I've seen that you know they might even have to take Quincy Wilson off the injury report and bring him uh, back on the roster just with all the injuries they've had uh at the cornerback position. So, uh, big news though, injury wise, uh, Marlon Mack fractured hand. Uh, he got in the second half there against the, uh, Jaguars. Uh, he got surgery Monday morning is expected to miss the next few weeks. Uh, so that's a big blow to the Colts running game, but we saw Jonathan Williams step in, um, and perform very nicely there. Um, and then also you have hopeful that, uh, Wilkins can be back Thursday night and then Hines as well. So it's going to be a running back by committee for the Colts. So, uh, what were your thoughts, uh, on if Hilton's able to play this week and then as well as the loss of Mac going forward for the Colts? We obviously need Hilton. Hilton always seems to dominate Houston matchups, especially when we're at Houston. Comes up with the big catch. Always look for him on third down. Just year over year happens. I mean, last year you had the it clown mask fiasco where he arrived in NRG Stadium in the clown mask, and then we won that playoff game. You know, and then earlier this year we had an epic battle with them and, and came out victorious. So it's going to be a big game. And, you know, I'm not too worried about Mac, honestly. I know he's a dynamic player and he. He's probably the fastest offensive player in the backfield we have. But, you know, Wilkins has, has had big runs this year, so we need him healthy. I mean, Williams just did it. And I'm nervous going forward with Max specifically, kind of getting off topic a little bit, but his contract situation. I mean, we have the money. We like paying guys. Mac has a history of injury. He's been hell, He's been on a hell of a stretch right now. You know, from last year to end the year to now, he's, he's played in almost every game and been very effective in my opinion. But – you know, I think Jonathan Williams has shown, just showed you that, you know, almost anybody can do it. And I'm not saying Jonathan Williams is bad, but he's never done it before in the NFL. And, you know, he had a big game after Mack had already had 100 yards. It's insane game, you know, from both of those guys having 100 yards. So I'd be interested what you think. Do you think we should just pay Mack? Because I could see him being like one of the next guys. I don't think his contract's due, but he might hold out for a contract kind of thing, like some of these guys seem to do. I mean, I'm curious to what you think about that, especially with the injury history. Yeah, um, I so I think uh, he's not due this upcoming year, so uh, I think it's the following year, so he'll probably want to restructure his contract next season. May see him holding out, but like you said, the injury history has been there. I don't have it in front of me how many games he's missed in his career, but it's been a ridiculous amount. Um, but, I mean, he's been playing so well this season. A lot of that comes from the Colts' offensive line, who has struggled here in the past couple of weeks, uh, especially uh, blocking in the past game. Um, But, I mean, I don't know. I I wouldn't pay a ridiculous amount to keep him on board, Um, but I could see the Colts getting a a decent contract for him, uh, just rewarding their own like they've preached to us. I mean, it just wouldn't make much sense. 
Um, if the way he's performed over the last couple seasons, if he comes back this year and continues to perform well, it just would make no sense for the Colts to preach, you know, that they're uh, going to reward their own in the system and then not pay them and just have all that money sitting there. So that's kind of how I feel about it. Um, but like you said, I mean, the running back position in most you know cases, I mean, obviously you have your dynamic runners like Kamara and uh, Ezekiel Elliott, but like in most cases, I mean, they're kind of it's an expendable position. Um, I mean, look at what happened when the Colts won the Super Bowl, uh, you know, 13, 12, 13 years ago. They had lost Edger and James the year before, and they drafted Joseph Adai. So, I mean, it's it's a pretty expendable position. And like you said, Jonathan Williams just steps right in. And obviously, it's only one week, but I don't know. I mean, I, I, I think they got to pay him. I think they will. Um, but I wouldn't give him any ridiculous kind of cash to stay just because of that injury history. If, if he had a, you know, a, a slate or a clean slate where he hadn't been as injured as much. I don't think it's debatable, but, uh, it's just the, it's just, you know, kind of a pain in the ass to always see him get hurt. Yeah, for sure. So. All right. Uh, predictions for Thursday night football. What are your thoughts? Uh, in Houston, big divisional matchup. Uh, both teams currently tied for first place in the division. Uh, the Colts can win the tiebreaker uh, with a victory over Houston on Thursday night. They already beat them uh, earlier in the season in Indianapolis. Um, and last week, uh, Houston was embarrassed by the Baltimore Ravens. They lost 41-7. Uh, to So uh, they had a bad week last week. They're probably looking to come back and redeem themselves this week at home. So what are your predictions for Thursday night football this week? I think it's going to be... You know, people might speculate it's going to be low scoring. I think it's going to be one of those people expect low scoring and it sneaks up on you and gets, into, you know, into the 30s, maybe the late 20s. I expect a slow start from the Colts. I mean, it's it's kind of like our MO and some of these big games, I feel like. So that's kind of what I expect. But I don't want us to get away from the running game, you know. But that line for the Texans, I mean, Baltimore got to Watson seven times, forced some bad throws. I think he fumbled one of them. So... In the previous matchup, we got some turnovers against Watson. You know, we, we contained him pretty well, so we're going to have a similar formula. But it, it's hard to keep Watson in check for long. He's definitely going to make big plays. I think Hopkins has somewhat underperformed up to his standards, DeAndre Hopkins, that is, this year. So, you know, if Desir's out, Yassin's out, you know, Odom practiced today. Who else we got? Kari Willis did not practice. So we're going to be depleted in the secondary. You know, tails old of time. It seems like week to week that's kind of what we are. But, you know, next man up. And I expect us to win. I really do. I mean, that game last year, the playoff game, we won. The game in Tennessee that we had to win last year against them, we won. Game, the big games seem like the Colts, you know, Frank Reich always come up for. Kansas City this year. Last week, divisional game. Huge game after losing two games in a row. We won. Another big game, you know, the, the biggest game so far this season, the biggest game we'll probably have this season because I think the winner of this can can go on. We play Tennessee and Jacksonville at least once. We got Carolina, I know, and, you know, I'm forgetting a, a one or two other teams. but New Orleans. Eat, yeah, winnable games for sure on their schedule remaining for both teams. So this game's huge. I expect to win. I It's not 100% if TY's playing or not, is it? Uh, no, but I saw uh, Stephen Holder of the Athletics say that uh, all indications he's gotten is that Hilton 
is going to play this week. He believes that Hilton's going to play this week. He doesn't know that for sure, but he believes he will. Uh, but Hilton also had a quote today that if all of his boxes are checked, whatever that means, uh, that he will play. But if one of the boxes aren't checked, then he's not going to play. So take that as you will, but there's high expectations that he will play this week, but it's not for certain yet. Yeah, and I think in that first matchup, Carlos Hyde kind of had a big game. So, you know, look for that to be another emphasis. If we're going to control Watson and stop the passing game, Hyde could potentially have another, you know, pretty good day for his standards. But I think at the end of the day, we win. Win a close one. I'm going to say like 31-28 or something. A fun Thursday night game. I'll agree with the win just because I'm biased. And like you said, they always seem to show up in big games. It's those games against inferior inferior opponents, especially in the last couple of years where they just have not played up to par. So I'll say the Colts win 20-12. Um, Why not? 2012, that was a good year. Um, I, I will say, though, I, I am I'm scared about Adam Vinatieri this week. Um, I know he made all of his kicks last week, but that seems to be kind of the the uh, course that we're on here this season is he has a couple bad games, and then he redeems himself, and then he has another couple bad games. So I'm concerned about him like we all are every single game. Um, it kind of gets repetitive to talk about it because the Colts obviously aren't going to do anything about it. They bring in these kickers, but they don't ever act on it. Um and I mean, I, I'm, I'm concerned about it, but I mean, it seems like in the NFL, and I don't know if this is just because I've seen so much of it from Benetieri this year, but doesn't it seem like a lot of teams or a lot of special teams have been missing tons of kicks this year? I don't know if that's just me, but. I feel like that's something we can say every year, but absolutely. Like Pinheiro the other night for the Bears, just a list. It seems like Robbie Gold went down and their replacement McLaughlin missed a couple kicks. Cybert for Cleveland. Now you can just go through the list and guys are missing kicks left and right. So, yeah, I would agree that it's it's in crisis mode almost. Koskowski's been out. I think I feel like Tucker's been pretty solid all year. But other than that, I would agree. It feels more than usual, but it's also something I feel like we say every year. So who knows? I'm sure there's some stats we could look up, but I'm not going to do that. Yeah. So, like I said, I'm concerned about that, but I'm concerned about that every single week. Um, we we had his one good game uh, this past weekend against the Jaguars, so that can only mean that uh, this week against the Texans, it's going to be a shit show. Uh, but hopefully, Hilton plays, uh, sparks the offense a bit, and Colts get the win on the road and propels them to win the division. We can go into Sunday this weekend and just chill and relax knowing that we have a win under our belt. So that's going to uh, end our first segment here uh, regarding Pacers and Colts. So like I said, Pacers are off for the rest of the week. They'll be back on Saturday. Colts on Thursday night. So uh, make sure you are there to watch that. Um, We're going to have a quick uh, message from our friends at Blue Chew. And then after that, we're going to wrap it up with Around the Association. So we'll be right back after this. Listeners, let's talk about sex. S-E-X, baby, you and me, on me going down. Now, you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed. If you want that, listen up right now. BlueChew.com is here, and it's ready to save your game in the bedroom. That's blue like the color, chew. 
Blue Chew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. The performance is perfect. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. And since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill. So you can be ready whenever opportunity arises. And buddy, let me tell you, opportunity will arise at any moment's notice. Just last week I was at the bar talking to this girl. She had these nice long legs. And, you know, I kind of thought maybe this could lead somewhere. Luckily I had a blue chew in my pocket, performed like a stallion all night, went three Maybe four hours. I didn't time myself, but it was right around that mark. Ended up just being a sweaty mess, but thank you to Blue Chew for keeping me lasting all night. I came a couple times, but that's neither here nor there. Right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first free shipment free when you use our special promo code ARMCHAIR. Just pay the $5 shipping. Again, that's B-L-U-E-Chew.com, promo code ARMCHAIR, to try it for free. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, faster choice, and we thank them for sponsoring the podcast. It is time for the association. Who's anybody born ready to pod? <laughs> Alrighty. Oh, you wanted to say alright, I got you. Um, so, uh, first off, before we get into some of the topics here, some of the city jerseys released here today, uh, the Mavericks, we were kind of talking about that just a second ago off the air, um, and the, uh, I, be- I believe it was the Bucks. their uh, city jerseys on the front said Cream City. <laughs> Did you see those? Yeah, it said Cream City. Didn't make much sense to me, but uh, I, whatever. What I don't know what it means. I'll have to Google that, but I just thought it was funny. Uh, it's going to be, you know, topic of all jokes uh, once they wear it, but very interesting stuff there. All right, so first topic here on the list. After being out of the NBA for over a year, Carmelo Anthony signed a non-guaranteed contract with the Portland Trailblazers last week. Anthony is 35 years old and is set to make his debut with the Trailblazers on Tuesday night. Uh, We recorded this before the game started. Uh, He last played for the Houston Rockets at the beginning of last season. Does Carmelo have anything left in the tank to spark the Blazers this year, who are currently 5-9 to start the year? No. Carmelo sucks. Carmelo is a cancer to a team. He's a ball hog. There's a there's a there's a way there's a world where he adjusts to a new role, but I can never see him doing it. I don't think he's going to be a, a 16, 18 minute guy off the bench that gets four or five looks a game. That would be the perfect role for him if that was what he would accept. So I don't think that's what I want to do. He's probably arriving there, and you know, he probably thinks he's going to start or something. So I I would not see I would not expect Carmelo Anthony to blow anyone away. I expect this is his last go at it, and it's going to be sad for everyone involved. Yeah, and I believe uh, if he makes it past January, then his contract becomes guaranteed. So 
between now and then they could just release him. Um, that's yeah. the part there on the non-guaranteed contract. Uh, Blazers, they are off to a rough start after making the Western Conference Finals last season, uh, getting swept by the Blazers. Uh, they are 5-9, and nine. could be 5-10 and ten when you're listening to this now, or maybe 6-9, and nine. Um, but they're under 500. They have struggled, um, and I guess if you're trying to get a spark out of the team, I know Zach Collins has been hurt, so this is kind of what's uh, motivated them to make this move. Um, I guess you can try it. Try it and see what happens and cut your losses in a couple months. Um, I don't think it's going to work out. I mean, at best, maybe he's going to average 12 points for you. Um, but I, his best days are behind him. The guy doesn't play defense, and uh, you've seen how it's worked out for him the last couple seasons. But, I mean, he is worthy of being on an NBA roster, I feel like. Talent-wise, um, he's better than a lot of the lower-tier guys in this league. So we'll see what happens, but I'm not expecting much. Um, <clears throat> all right. Speaking of guys out the league, next topic, topic, former three times sixth man of the year award winner, Jamal Crawford made some bold statements over the last week regarding his free agency status. Crawford told NBA.com quote, I know I can play and I would think my reputation is still solid. It's baffling to me end quote, uh, regarding not being signed, uh, so far this season, Crawford last played for the uh, Phoenix Suns, and in his most recent NBA game, he scored 51 points against the Dallas Mavericks. He's now 39 years old and will turn 40 in March. Um, So I'll give my thoughts on this real quick. I think that that's like saying Dirk Nowitzki was once the MVP and he should be on a roster. Uh, I think Crawford's washed up. I can see that he averaged 51 points. I see some people saying that he deserves to be on a team. I don't think just because of your reputation that means that you should be on a team. I mean, he played for the Suns last season, who were the one of the worst teams in the league. Um, I think it's time for old Crawdaddy to, you know, hang him up. What do you think? Would you rather have Crawdaddy or Carmelo Anthony? That's a tough one. Um I mean, if I want a solid locker room presence, I'm going to go with Crawford. Um, if I want something interesting and, you know, look, I mean, last season, I would have been all four after Oladipo getting hurt. The Pacers just saying screw it and signing Carmelo Anthony just for the fun uh, that it could have provided us, the memes and things like that. So if I'm looking for fun, I'm going for Carmelo. But if you want a solid locker room presence, I think Crawford's the guy you would have to go with. Yeah, and I, I think maybe Crawford can score, but just no. Get out of here. I, I, I'm not interested. I, I wouldn't really necessarily want him on the Pacers. I mean, maybe the Celtics sign him and make me eat my words. Maybe he has a 30-point game against or something. Yada, yada. I don't know, but I, I'm, I'm good on both these guys. Yeah. All right, Monday night against the San Antonio Spurs, Luka Doncic posted his sixth triple-double this season. He scored 42 points and also had 12 assists and 11 rebounds in a 117 to 110 win. He's also still only 20 years old and is currently averaging for this season uh, just shy of 30 points a game. He's averaging 29.5 points per game, 10.7 rebounds per game, and then also 9.3 assists per game for you triple-double fanatics out there. Uh, He's close to averaging that. So what are your thoughts on his historic start to the season at only 20 years old and just producing ridiculous stat lines? Yeah, he's, he's awesome to watch. Unbelievable. There was a quote last year he said, 
he was surprised how easy it was to get buckets in the the NBA compared to foreign basketball. I think maybe that's just him a year older coming into his own better town around him. It might not be necessarily true, but I mean, it's definitely impressive. And the guy, he should have went number one overall. It's looking like, and you know, Trey Young's still a phenomenal player. He can shoot and score. So if you're going to debate who won that trade, I still think it's up in the air. Maybe a few years down the road, we can finally decide. But I mean, Luca, he's on a terror, unlike anything we've ever seen. So it sucks that it's in Dallas. I don't really care about Dallas in any way. I, th- I think Chris Tops is a little overrated, so I don't know how much talent he actually has around him to, to make any kind of push. But I'm looking forward to a long career from him. And, you know, he's fun to watch. That's all I really got. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, we're only 14 games in, 15 games in, but putting up an MVP stat line at 20 years old is uh, nothing to, uh, you know, frown about i mean that's just excellent and i wish he was on our team so um speaking of historic starts to the year uh rockets guard james harden is also off to a ridiculous start to the 2019-2020 nba season harden is currently averaging 39.2 points per game 5.7 rebounds per game and 7.6 assists Harden scoring at levels that have been unseen in the NBA for nearly 60 years. The only other NBA player who scored at this kind of rate uh, the last time it was Wilt Chamberlain, who scored 50.4 points per game in 1962 and 45 points per game in 1963. Granted, it's only been 14 games, but what are your thoughts on the scoring tear that Harden has been on to start off the year? I wish we had Jake here. I mean, he's the notorious James Harden hater. And, you know, just watching what he did specifically against the Pacers, it's it's kind of like lulls you to sleep and he'll just pull from anywhere. It's the same guy we've had the last three or four years and his numbers just keep going up. up. You know, him and Russell seem to be making it work, you know, despite the haters. So it's interesting. I don't necessarily – I'm not necessarily a huge James Harden fan, just his persona and, you know, the, the way he goes about I don't know. He's fun to watch and at times, but I, I get the, the hate at the same time. So he is what he is. He's an amazing player, and, you know, he's a definitely a dynamic player and a polarizing player. You know, people have, always have an opinion on James Harden, is an MVP. So, I mean, it, right now, is James Harden the MVP of this league, or who would else would be in consideration? I know we're early. Um, I mean, I'd say top three right now. Uh, Harden number one. I'd put number two as Luca, and then probably number three at Giannis again. So those would be my top three. Harden, I mean, just averaging nearly forty points per game. Uh, I think that's an automatic MVP lock. The voters will vote for him on that. Um, and he's also dishing out close to eight assists. Um, so I mean, I know he's taking a ton of shots, but I mean, he also is passing the ball sometimes. Um, but I mean, looking at that, I mean, Wilt Chamberlain scoring 50 points and 45 points per game in a season. That's just amazing. Um, and this is the closest thing since then. I don't think he's going to, uh, end the season at that amount. I think we'll probably see, you know, that drop down to maybe 34, 35. Um, but still, I think, I mean, I would think if the season ended today, he's easily, uh, the MVP favorite for sure in my eyes. Yeah, and he seems to just have – D'Antonio just gives him the green light from anywhere, and that offense is crazy, but yeah. yeah. All right, last topic here, uh, kind of a 
memory topic here, not really necessarily NBA news, but on this day, uh, November 19th, 2004, uh, 15 years ago, uh, the malice of the palace occurred and changed the NBA forever. We've discussed this in depth on the podcast in past episodes. Uh, We've discussed this amongst ourselves, as well as with former Pacers, Eddie Gill, uh, shout out Eddie Gill, uh, and David Harrison. Um, But, you know, even though we have discussed this, it is the anniversary 15 years since then, the most significant event in Pacers history, probably. So what were your most significant memories attached with that event as we look back now 15 years later at one of the most, if not the most, infamous uh, event in sports history, uh, which Miles Garrett tried to surpass in the past week. So when I'm a kid, I'm, th- I'm looking at it and I'm thinking like, wow, this is crazy. This is awesome. These guys are going at it. As an adult, when you look at it, or maybe, maybe even like the days after when I'm a kid, you realize like, Jesus, we just ruined the season. The season's complete shit. What a waste. And then, you know, we just put our stock back into Ron Artest. You know, we, we notoriously like Ron Artest, but we gave him another chance with the Pacers, and then, you know, he demanded a trade out of nowhere. <clears throat> and I know I saw I recently said that he regretted doing that. I think that was on uh, our boy Golden's podcast. He said he regretted that. So that's something. Ron Artest is always a head case at the end of the day. That I don't know if you've seen the – I think it was Showtime documentary on Ron Artest Live. Have you seen that? Yes, uh, Quiet Storm. Yeah, Quiet Storm. So they talk about it a little bit and go into it. So if you haven't seen that, check that out. But our test was just an interesting guy. And then, you know, uh, the adage has been said so many times, if Jermaine O'Neal doesn't slip, he kills a guy there that night. And I still think, you know, O'Neal's fist is through the back of that guy's skull if he doesn't trip there. And we have a whole different issue on our hands, maybe – you know, Jermaine O'Neal's blackballed from the league. I was probably in jail. <laughs> Who knows what happens at that point? But yeah, it was just a, a black mark on the sport. But at the same time, it's it's like infamous in a way that it's like, yeah, we're the Pacers, the Pistons. That's a heated rivalry. Don't mess with us. That's that's legit. So it gives some credibility and some street cred to the team. I think at the end of the day, but you know, that, all the remnants of that are long gone. So I don't know. It was just a weird moment and very infamous. Yeah, I remember that game vividly. I was watching it. It was on ESPN. They had, um, I believe it was Mike Breen and Bill Walton. Um, I was in the eighth grade, and uh, the game was, you know, decidingly over, and I was super ecstatic. Pacers were winning. Pistons had beat us the year before. So this was a statement win going into Detroit early in the season, I believe improving to 7-2, and two, um, and just complete, utter shock hits the world. Uh, suspensions were handed out a couple days later, and I just remember going into my bedroom. I had a Pacers calendar, which had all the games on it, and I was just looking at the calendar, just bawling my eyes out. I was counting out loud, like, the games. How many? Because it was O'Neal got suspended so many games, and Steven Jackson, our test, we already knew he was done for the season, who was my favorite player. Um, and I was just counting out, like, when those players would be back, and it was, like, January or February, and I was just bawling my eyes out, just – Seasons lost, championship team that could have been, um, and it was very sad. And, I mean, the Pacers were in a state of mediocrity for the next five or six years because of it. Um, And then, um, you know, they had to make those trades, and they traded for those awful white guys. 
So, I mean, it's just looking back on it 15 years later, it's a stain on the franchise, but it's also something, you know, interesting that we still like to talk about. It's been 15 years and people still tweet about it and write articles about it on the day of. So, um, I think the most interesting thing that I think of when looking back on it, I think a story that David Harrison had told us was our test was in the locker room and he was asking people, um, after the game, after they were all settled in the locker room, if they thought he was going to get suspended or not. <laughs> and so, um, he, he, you know, he was just in that mindset where he just went into the stands and kicked some fans asses and he didn't think whatever was going on in his mind, he didn't think he was going to get suspended or he was questioning whether or not he would. So very interesting, uh, led to that, you know, six man night the next night where the Pacers lost to the magic, which we've talked about. So, uh, very interesting stuff, and I'm hoping one day we'll get to see a documentary more in-depth on it with both teams talking about it, but absolute stain on the franchise, ruined a championship season, and uh, it was very sad. So those are my thoughts. Yeah, you have a, Oh, go ahead. Something else from the quiet storm that I thought was funny is when he talks about how he got drafted by the Bulls, <laughs> and he had no idea what to do with his spare time, so he just got a job at Circuit City. That, that <laughs> cracks me up every time. Ron Artest just working in the back stocking shelves at Circuit City while being drafted by the Bulls is hilarious. Yeah, I mean, that would have just been awesome, like, as a fan back then, going to Circuit City and, uh, you know, in the off season, you're going to buy a TV and you just see Ron Artest in there. I mean, that would just be some absolute fun. But, yeah, I think uh, he also had mentioned in there that he was on the bowl when he was on the Bulls, the uh, coach had told him that he wasn't going to get traded. They didn't want him to get traded. He wanted him on the team. And then the next day he was traded to the Pacers. So interesting stuff there. Um, and yeah, go check out our boy golden's podcast with him. They got our test on the podcast. Um, and that's pretty cool stuff. So go check that out. Um, but anyways, that's going to wrap up. We got what we got here for uh, this episode. Um, as I mentioned earlier, if you're listening to this earlier in the week, we are looking for an additional contributor or contributors. If we find a couple people we like uh, for the website, our website, bornready2blog.com. Um, we are asking anybody that's interested uh, to send us a message on Twitter. Obviously, it's unpaid. We can't pay you for it. We like to pay ourselves for it. But right now, we're just doing this because we're passionate fans and we enjoy doing what we're doing. But um, we'd like to add some more writers to the team. So if you are interested, send us a direct message. We are asking that you do send us a blog uh, so we can review it and uh, pick who we want to add on. Uh, so we'll send you the criteria. But if you are interested, send us a direct message. Um, Hawk, we started this blog a month or so ago. Tell them how much you've enjoyed uh, the new website so far and how it's changed your life. It's just it's it's kind of just fun to just have an outlet just to write stuff. So right now I'm working on the Colts preview blog that we've never done a Colts preview blog, but I don't have a boss and I'm doing this for free. So if I want to do a Colts preview blog, then damn it, I'm going to do a Colts Texans preview blog for the Battle of the AFC South. So ideally we're looking for someone that knows a little bit about WordPress um, and how it's super easy to run. If you don't, it's not a big deal. But if you do, make sure you mention that as well because I think that'll set you above some competition in a way. But, you know, we're not too worried about spelling, grammar, yada, yada, yada. That might piss off some readers. But at the end of the day, we're just fans riding for free on, on a platform that 
you know, maybe a couple hundred people will see. And, you know, if that's something you're interested in, you know, we're looking for people to tight. There's no limits on what you can talk about. We're, we're pretty much open to a lot of things, but the website in general, it's been fun. It's, it's been interesting to run and, you know, I'm going to, as one of my works gets less busy, I'm, I'm maybe going to pick this up a little more and try to do some more blogs and just experiment with some stuff. And, you know, we're, they make WordPress so easy. I mean, I wish WordPress would just sponsor us so we could just get sponsored for saying WordPress. But, you know, it's pretty easy. If you've ever thought about opening a website for any reason or doing it, it's it's super easy. It's like less than 40 bucks to even start it. So get out there and do something. Yeah, uh, it's it's been a lot of fun to do and uh, giving you the platform to do so. Um, and like you said, we're not strict on our rules for the website. You can pretty much talk about whatever. Um, that's what we do. We could write about whatever we want. Obviously, we're a Pacers blog, but we don't have to always write about the Pacers. So uh, it, just anything. We're not going to put any limits on you, but the important thing is that you do know what you are doing because we don't want to have to hold your hand. Uh, we want to get you started, and then you can just do it on your own. So that's the most important thing there. So uh, that's gonna that's gonna wrap up this episode, episode sixty eight of the Born Ready to Pod podcast. Big news though: next episode is episode sixty nine of the Born Ready to Pod podcast. So gonna be a very special episode for you listeners out there. Um, that's gonna wrap this up. Uh, you know, big week ahead: Colts game Thursday, Pacers Saturday. Let's hope for a big week, and uh, you guys have a good rest of your week here, and uh, we'll see you guys later. Don't forget to get your pets spayed and neutered. That's right. (laughs) See ya.